Welcome to episode number 10 of the Low Angst Library podcast. Today we have an interview with R.M. Neal. I'm your resident librarian, Lee Blair. This library is your stop for all things light, fluffy, funny, sweet, spicy, and everything in between. I not only publish low angst queer romances, but I'm a voracious reader of them too. I created this podcast because I wanted to talk to other authors who write romances with main characters on the LGBTQIA2S spectrum to learn what draws them to the lighter side of angst, more about their books and their writing processes. Y'all, the last two weeks have been a fever dream. I caught a cold that turned into a nasty sinus infection, which meant I ended up missing all of my birthday shenanigans and several of the classes I'm signed up for. It was such a bummer. And I also missed the one-year celebration, like anniversary celebration of Picture Perfect, which is book one in my Tap That Brewery series. I released it on my birthday last year because I thought it would be a fun way to mark the milestone of when I turned 40. But man, time passes so oddly when you feel like shit and are losing track of days on your couch. I'm so grateful to be feeling better now. Yay for modern medicine! (laughs) I am also stoked to share that the pre-order is now live for a charity anthology that I'm participating in. It's called Midnight at the Renaissance Elevator. It was inspired at the Gay Romance Lit Retreat last year, with the hotel having a very temperamental elevator. And all of the participating authors attended GRL last year, and we have short stories in this anthology that involve the elevator. I'll post a link to the pre-order in the show notes. Proceeds will support the Trevor Project, which is so awesome. And likely by the next episode, I'll be able to share info about another rad project that I'm participating in. I can't wait to share that with you. I'm thrilled to share my interview with R.M. Neal. We talked about her first experience developing an audiobook, pulling book inspiration from real life, and supporting newer authors. R.M. Neal is a wife, mom, animal lover, and a hopeless romantic. She wants her stories to make you smile, swoon, and snort laugh, but not necessarily in that order. She hopes she can be the author you turn to when you need a story to make you laugh or add light to an otherwise dark day. Coffee always wins. You can't change her mind. All right, on to the interview. RM Neal, thank you so much for hanging out with me in the Low Angst Library. I'm happy you're here. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It is. I'm so excited. And I just love to just jump right in and find out what got you into writing books and specifically romance. Well, that's a hard question right away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What got me into writing books? It's kind of a long process, but I always liked creative writing. When I was a kid, I used to just dabble with poetry and that sort of thing. But the biggest thing that made me think maybe I should put in books was I used to just tell stories. So you're just sitting around and you're making up stories and I tell stories and my friends would be like, that's really funny. You should write that down. And I'm like, (laughs) whatever, right? I just never did. Where the romance part came in, I don't know. I think that was just fluky because I just happened to be reading a lot of romance at the time. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to write a romance. And There you go. It's funny how that happens, how we can be readers our whole lives and then just happen to start reading something. And then you're like a different part of your brain clicks in like the creative brain. And you're like, oh, oh, this might work for me. (laughs) I think that's kind of what happened because it was like because I'm just like a naturally kind of I don't know, like a I won't say I'm funny, but I'm just like a, a slapstick person. I'm like, you know, it would be funny. And then and then and then they fall in love. Uh, that's that. So then, yeah, it was just kind of natural to put that together to come to romance because I didn't picture myself writing some convoluted mystery and having all these things. I was like, I don't think I could do that. So yeah. I'll keep it to romance because everybody knows romance, right? Yeah. And it worked out. You've got great books. <laughs> I hope so. Well, what drew you to low angst stories? Because that's not quite as common as writing romance, kind of move into the lighter side. Yeah, um, I'm a very empathetic person. And 
anything that's like high angst, rip your heart out, tears is just not for me because it sticks to me. Like it really does. Like it's a totally made up story, fictional characters. And if I read that, it's just like, oh, it brings me down. It just sits with me. And people like that. And that's great. But I know personally, I just, I can't, can't do that. And that's where the low angst comes in. Cause I'm like, there's so much stuff in the world to bring you down, you know, reading the news or whatever. You hear these stories and I'm like, I don't want to bring, I want people to be happy. I'm like, I want to make people happy. I want to make people smile. I want to make them laugh. I want to give them a little bit of that escape. So that's why low angst is where I'm at. I kind of tried to up the angst at one point and I'm like boiling in my keyboard. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, I can't do this. So I was like, okay. (laughs) That is so relatable. I'm the same. That high empathy, like it just... You just can't shake it that it just it becomes real. It affects like if I read something that's super angsty and I just can't shake it, like it brings me down all day in my real life. Like I just. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like I actually knew them and I'm upset because something happened to them. And it it sounds so ridiculous, but that's yeah. And like and then I don't and I don't read it just because I know that'll happen. Yeah, I tried it a few times and I'm just like, oh my God. You know, my husband's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, it's good. And you know, and he's just like, it's a book. I'm like, oh no. But I just, (laughs) yeah, we're done. (laughs) Yeah, because you like become the characters in a different way. I swear, high empathy people as readers and writers, it's like you just embody them in a way that's, I don't know if it's more visceral or just becoming them or it's just it's just so much harder to separate I think it is very visceral like yeah it's just like in there and I can't just close the book and go so lovely no I just can't (laughs) so when you say it's a book hangover that usually means I I'm like getting out the ice cream right yeah and just so like a book flu yeah Well, one of my favorite questions to ask guests so far is what does low angst mean to you? Because it is all over the board. It is, you know, because low angst, I think is what we were talking about. It's like, you don't purposely make me cry because those characters have been put through hell to get to their happy ending. Low angst is just like, do, 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 do. we're walking along you know we're just we're all <laughs> tiny little bump in the road and oh we're kind of upset and then oh, okay we're happy again it's just like a nice little road and it's not these ripped out emotions and feelings like yes i want some emotion but i don't want to go eat the tub of ice cream after <laughs> and, and like that's usually how i kind of say that's like the High angst to me is like, it's tragic and I'm going to spend every single page crying and wondering why I'm reading it. Whereas low angst, I'm going to be smiling more and laughing more and just feel happy. That's kind of what it means to me. I don't, I don't want to be, yeah, like, and it just, to me, it's always like a, a happy is my goal. Happy, happy, happy. And I don't want happy with missing limbs and stuff like that. I just want you happy. Is it real? Yeah. No, but I like to escape from reality, which I guess is another thing onto that because some people don't have those good personal lives or they haven't experienced those good relationships. And if you're going to go to a book to escape, I would like you to escape someplace where it's almost idealistic and you can believe that it's out there. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. That, that's why I like to read. I like to I don't want to read to be feeling sad. I want to read to see the hope that's out there and and what happens. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would really like to know more about your reading habits, too. So we know that you prefer to read low angst and writing it. I know some people are like, yeah, I like to write low angst because I live in the books longer, but I can read high angst. I'm like you. It's it's low angst (laughs) all the time. But I'm curious. Do you read while you're actively drafting a book and do you read like in the areas you write or do you have to have some kind of separation while you're drafting? It kind of depends on the story and where it's at. Like sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So like right now I haven't like we're writing cowboys and ranches and stuff and I haven't read a lot. 
And I was like, well, I want to see what other people write their cowboys at. So I've been reading a lot of that kind of stuff now. But, you know, I could go for a week and not open a book if I'm words are flowing. But if if the words aren't flowing, I just <laughs> I sometimes just need a little bump. So maybe it's reading a chapter from somebody else and getting an idea. It all depends. But if I didn't read while I was writing, I would literally never read because I'm always yeah. got something to go, right? I would never open yeah. a book. So it just kind of depends. I know if it's like a day that I'm like, oh my God, I was like a 3,000 word day and I have this awesome chapter and this is great. Well, then it's fine. I'll go pick up a book. But sometimes when I struggle, I don't. Or sometimes it's the opposite. It's just, it's really random. I'm random. <laughs> Everything about me is random. <laughs> That's right. Random's great. <laughs> What about tropes? Do you have favorite tropes that you really love to read? And are those similar to what you like to write? Um, mostly, I mean, I, I'm like so terrible. <laughs> I don't think tropey. I just like look at a story, but I do really like Grumpy Sunshine. It's like a huge becoming a favorite. The more I read and I'm like, oh, that was like one of those Grumpy Sunshine things. Ah, I like that. So, so. I mean, no. Yes and no. I like that <laughs> one, but I'll pick up anything. As long as it's a low angst book, if it sounds good to me, I'll probably read it. And I was a fan of the bisexual awakening for a while, but it's kind of waning of me. But um, yeah. So again, I'm all over the map and random, but I don't really have a favorite. I just pick them all up. That's all right. It keeps things interesting. It does. It does. Like I used to actually, when I found an author and I loved that book, I would binge, right? I'd read everything they had. I wouldn't go anywhere. But now that I find, now that I write and I see all these new authors and how it's always hard to get out there and you're trying to get noticed. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to binge. Even if I love that book, I'm not going to binge your backlist right now because there's like so many new authors clamoring. And I'm like, I'm going to read that one. So I find a lot of new people that way because I'm just like, oh, Caught my eye today. I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to read that. I like so, that. That's a good yeah, way to just, do it. It just keeps you all over. And then when people are like, hey, what have you read? Have you heard of so-and-so, <laughs> right? Or have you read this? And then you just, off you go. Yeah. That's really great. Well, since you are so well-read and read from so many authors, do you have any low-angst book recommendations? Well-read. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I've finished recently, it's called Third Time Lucky by Aurora Crane, and it's a spinoff. She writes some Polly stuff, and she has the best characters. I just love them all. Like, I wish they were all in my living room. So that's a favorite. And I also read Ava Olson's latest, um, what the heck's it called now? It's about boats. Crap. Oh, yeah. There's like, uh, oh, buoy. I think. Yeah, Old Boy was the first one. Yeah. And I can't, but I, I really like those. They, they were, they were so sweet. And I was like, I like these. So I'm following that series. I'm following Aurora's series, which is Polly. And I really, really like it because all the characters are just like so fantastic. They just draw you in. Those are two that are sticking to me lately anyway. Oh, and then there's another one that I got to beta read, which I was, quite um what's the word flattered that she asked me um danny lakey lakely has a book called cam fan coming out soon oh. and i freaking adored it it's super hot for one thing lots of dirty talk but again i just love the two characters i'm just like oh it's fun to put them in a big hug and <laughs> i think she has a good future ahead of her so i'm like you need to write more of these <laughs> But that's like my last two weeks of reading. So not a lot of books in there. But so it hasn't been a good reading week, but there's tons that I'm waiting for. But uh, yeah, those are the three that I've read recently that I loved. Nice. There's a lot of good ones coming out, too. I feel like every time I check my Amazon book wish list and I just keep checking, I'm like, oh, that one's out in late April early May, late April, early May. Like, it's going to be a I great know. month. And I'm month. like, did I pre-order that already? Yeah. Oh, yep. So I was like, yeah, okay, great. You know, it's like, <laughs> those are the great days when you wake up and your email is like, ding, ding, ding. And you're like, oh. oh. And then I will clear schedules to do that because I know I have some that I'm looking forward to too. 
coming in soon. So I'll do those. Exciting. Those are great recs. Thank you. I would love to start talking about your writing. So we've understanding you as a reader, which is really good. Now let's get into the writing juiciness. Can you tell us about your writing process? My process is controlled chaos. I think I described it before as improv on paper. From beginning to end, it's just such a loose concept. I tried being a plotter. I really, really did. And it just kept handcuffing me and I couldn't follow it. So my process is usually some sort of idea. I get whatever it is. It could be a character. It could be a situation. It could be anything. And then I just kind of go, okay, so what if I made this guy do that? And I did this guy do that. And then like I literally just make like 10 points on a sheet of paper. And then I start writing. That's it. And then I just let it go and whatever happens, happens. Now, you know, you get into trouble with that because when you get stuck, how do you get unstuck when you didn't know where you're going? Usually I have an ending that I'm working towards, but sometimes you get stuck in the middle like everybody does. And you're like, oh my God, how do I get them there? But that's what works best for me. It is literally improv, like not even, not even it's improv. Yeah. I make it up as like a little <laughs> improv on paper. I like that better than like <laughs> discovery writing. I want to start using that too. That's, that's the same way. Like I tried plotting and it took me like 10 years to finish a book because I kept thinking, well, writers plot. That's what you have to do. And the story was told. I didn't want to write it. Once I'd plotted it, I was like, okay, and I'm ready for the next one. I couldn't force myself to write it. It's that like, when you don't know so much and you just let the fun unfold, oh gosh, that's where the magic happens. I love that process. Yeah. And that's kind of my thing too. I was like, I can't plot a whole book. I can't plot it. I'm never going to write it. And I'm yeah. like, and then, and then in my head, my head would say, well, you said they were going to go to the fair. You cannot change that. You have to make them go. To, and like my head would be like, yeah, but you can change it. I'm like, no. And I would just get so hung up on that. I thought, you know, no, we're going to stop that. So, and it worked out. So, and it is discovery writing because, yeah, I like to discover the character as I go along. And I just had this with the book I just finished. I'm thinking they're going to be one way and I'm trying to make them one way. And I'm like, you know, you got to, and then it's not working. And I'm like, why is it not working? Oh, he's not like that. That's why it's not working. So then I have to go back and then we do something else. And I'm like, okay, this is why he does this or this is what. So I often start a book like three or four times before it actually flows because I'm just getting to know the characters. And it gets like Franken book where I keep pieces. <laughs> pieces. Like, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. And yeah, it's discovery writing, but I like to call it improv. It sounds better. <laughs> it does sound better. Definitely more whimsical. Yes. <laughs> it's so true, though. I'm the same way. Once I get into the book, I start to get to know the characters. And so then it feels like the first chunk of the book is what needs the most work because I didn't know them yet. And so I have to like go back and be like, okay, now that I know them, I got to change all of this. And ugh. Exactly. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt. And like maybe if you were a plotter, that would be easier. But it's just not. It's just, it's just really not. Not for this brain anyway. <laughs> but we'll just kind of just keep on trucking on and we'll do it that way. And, and that's just the first draft. <laughs> I'm ready. And then after that, it's like, depending on the book, sometimes you just kind of have to like let it sit and just walk away from it for a couple of days before you get back into it. Or sometimes I'm like just so immersed, I need to start editing it right away. I want to get back in there and just do it. Like and it, it all depends. So, and that's like my chaotic experience. I have friends who are like, "How do you do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. How do you do it? Where you make like all these points?" I'm like, "I can't do that." So, but what if you get stuck? I'm like, "Well, we won't go there." <laughs> just, I'm like, then I just wander around aimlessly, and then I'll write a different story and hopefully get unstuck and come back. But. That is the process. First rule of improv writing, you don't talk about getting stuck. That's <laughs> right. Doesn't happen. Right? <laughs> it's fiction. It's going to be perfect. 
Well, since you're, you know, doing this improv writing, I'm sure ideas and inspiration comes from all over the place. Where do you usually get your ideas and inspiration? Literally everywhere. So I'll give you an example, which is weird. A friend of mine has a son that just started curling and he's going up high level curling and we went to watch him in a bounce field. Actually, it wasn't even a bounce field. It was like kind of a qualifying event. Anyhow. So I'm there watching these bunch of 20-year-old kids doing their thing. And the one kid was like, I'm like, is that, how old is that kid? And he's like, he's 21. I'm like, serious? The guy was built like, well, like he was huge. I was like, he looks like he's like 25, maybe close to 30. Like he's just this mammoth kid. So anyhow... Um, he's in the middle of the ice talking to one of the other members on his team who was at least a foot and a half shorter from him. Tiny, tiny little thing. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I have an idea. <laughs> my friend's like, what? And I'm taking out my phone and I'm writing down these little notes and these things that are going in my mind. I'm like, I have an idea. Just give me a minute. And, and he's like, well, don't use my kid's name. <laughs> I'm like, I'll change the name. I'm like, it's just an idea. So it literally comes from everywhere, like everywhere. I couldn't even tell you where some of my book ideas came from right now. It's just, that's one I'm working on. And that's what's up. But another one, another one was like, I might read an article in the news. Actually, I did. That was one of the books. I, I read something in the news and I was like, oh, so terrible. What if? <laughs> and then off you go and you just make an alternate story to go with that. So it's like everywhere. That's the best part of it. I love my husband thinks I'm crazy because on my phone, I have all of these documents, little notes of like things and ideas. We went to a boat show about a month or so ago and I'm wandering around this show bored as all hell. And there's like these guys in this little fishing area with all this camping gear. And I was like, that's a really cool setup. Huh. What are like, I get, I'm taking pictures of it and I'm writing notes. And the guy's like, Oh, are you interested in buying? I'm like, No, I might just put it in a book. <laughs> like, you know, so like, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And that's the fun part to me. But then there's too many ideas. I don't even know how many ideas I have on the go right now, but that's where I get some ideas from. It's just being out and about. Or I meet somebody. I've met some random person. I'm like, I really like his eyes. Wow. Does he ever have nice eyes? You know, he'd make a good insert character here and then off <laughs> you go. <laughs> well, don't trust me now because I do that. But yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. It's part of the job. You do. That's right. I'm like, don't worry. I won't like identify you. I'm just going to say, you know, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the fun characters where you've gotten lots of ideas from in all of your books, have you had a favorite character or book that you've written so far? That is such an unfair question. <laughs> Everybody hates that question. Yeah. Um, yes, of course I do, but I don't like to tell them, right? Because then I think that the others are jealous, which is so silly, I know. But um, I do. Well, my favorite book is a reader favorite, and it's Jake's book, Take Shelter With Me, because he was somebody that readers had been following since he was a teenager, basically, and asking, is he going to get a story? Is he going to get a story? And he literally percolated and grew in my brain for a year before he finally materialized and I knew who he was. And he's very close and he is my favorite. <laughs> well, he's my favorite in math, is obviously. So that that book is definitely my favorite book for that reason. But uh, they all have their different reasons for being a favorite, you know? I love The Perfect Past because that was like my first MM book and it just poured out of me and I loved those guys. Maybe the story wasn't executed as best as it could be, but I'm still getting my feet wet. But I absolutely loved that story and I loved those two. I could keep writing just them probably, but I don't because I don't know. I just don't. I just make them show up all over the place. Just what I love to do, which is why they 
are still in the Sheltered Connection series because I just love these two. They have to keep coming around. They have to keep showing their face. So that's how I keep them alive. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you did that, that you have the spinoff series. So is that what made you want to spin off and do Sheltered Connections from your Nickel City Bandits was because you felt really drawn to those characters or was there something else that kind of spurred you wanting to connect a couple of series together? A little bit of both. So Jake was initially supposed to just be a throwaway character. He was just Austin's little brother. And when I wrote that and then people were like, we want to know what happened to him, we want to know his story. I'd already introduced the idea about an animal shelter. So that kind of got me thinking. And I was like, you know what? And then all these characters and things kept coming. And I was like, I can make this series. I'm like, I can keep these guys going in this series. Keep Jake, have new people, and away you go. And I've discovered I love doing that because (laughs) even the new series is connected. And like the new series is going to go back to... Austin and Logan eventually like there's going to be another connection right so there's gonna be a whole lot of weaving but unless you've read them all you're probably not going to pick up on it it was just an idea and it just kind of went and I'm like this this is where Jake needs to go oh my oh my god Jake's gonna do this and he's gonna do this and he's gonna do this and then by the time he got his story I was like it's done <laughs> like, but then you don't want to let go because you love all these characters that you create and you love yeah. this town you're like I don't I don't want to like say goodbye I just want to say, see you later. And then, you know, then you, you do, you do spin off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what keeps it engaging as the author too. Like we have to figure out ways to just make this so fun for us because each book takes so much time and effort. And if doing those little connections, even if it's light and if readers don't read everything and pick it up, like if it's fun for us, that's so important, I think. It is. And, you know, um, where does the ideas come from? Going back to that, I was literally trying to fall asleep one night and I was trying to think of, so I just finished the first draft yesterday of book two in The Broken Horn. Congratulations. And I was, I know, right? Because that book was hard. So I was laying in bed and I'm like, what can I do? They needed this date, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so there's this whole scene where they have a date at the fundraiser Jake organizes for the shelter. Previous thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) Probably my most favorite part of that book is when they're there and there's a couple little just off cameos of some, because they're at the fundraiser. And I was like, oh, it just made my heart happy because I had all these guys around that, you know, I love. And I was like, this is so cute. (laughs) Aww. Yeah, so I like that. I really like that. I do too. That's really sweet. (laughs) Although, you know, it's going to be lost on people if they didn't read it. No, but people did read it are going to be like, oh, yeah. We're like, they are. Yeah. (laughs) With your Sheltered Connection series, which I love, I love the characters and the town and everything and the build up to the fundraiser and everything. They're just such sweet and lovable characters. And they also had some complicated backstories or difficult circumstances to face or things that could have gone really heavy and high angst, but you were able to balance those elements like the emotional depth, but keeping it lighter. How do you manage to do that as a creator? You know, I wish I had some really profound answer to that. But I don't really. Most of their backstories are based on people I know or things that I have read. They're all based on something true. And it's the Hurt Comfort series because I guess that's one of my favorite things is Hurt Comfort. And sometimes people don't go down those roads of like oh woe is me and have that really shitty outcome that I guess leads you maybe into the high ink stuff because you know they're getting suicidal and all that stuff and I was like you know what life sucks sometimes (laughs) but my go-to is humor 
And that's just, it just happens. It wasn't any conscious effort on my, well, actually, no, I guess it was because I didn't want it to go into these deep, heavy things. Like Travis's story did because he's me and that's my journey in depression, but he still comes out happy. That's always the goal. It's like, yes, these people had shitty things happen to them, but it was just... You know, sometimes things don't have to end badly. <laughs> they can end well. And it's just what I did is to make you attach to them and care and root and be like, oh, my God, like, I this has to be OK. And then, oh, yeah, of course it's OK. Here, ha, 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 last because he just has an allergic reaction. But stuff like that. I wish I could tell you I had some deep, profound thing, but I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It really works. It does. Maybe that's part of the fact that I do do the improv on paper. But I will also actually, I will make a conscious note if things get to, when everything starts to nosedive, like in Blaze's story, there's kind of a just cry and he starts going down, but it has to be said because part of who he is. And then like, oh, you know, we're going to, you have to flip this around. You have to flip it around and here's how you're going to do it. So kind of <laughs> you have to have an emotional investment to some point right yeah so um, yeah i just no magic formula i guess i'm just good at it yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> which if i gotta be good at something i'll take it right <laughs> yes own it well yeah i'm not good at that i'm not good at that at all but yes as i told my friend i was telling him about today and i'm like oh my god the questions he's asking me, I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and he was like, just, just tell, just say what you just said. I'm like, really? They want to know about you. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> You're doing great so far. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like shaking. I'm like, oh my God, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> I think everyone worries about that. Imposter syndrome is so high in our industry. Ugh. It's a daily thing. It is really a daily thing. It's funny that there's not more mental health rep in books by authors because I think we all struggle with something on that on a daily basis. Whether you're looking at your page reads for the day or you just happen to see a crappy review or something, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's like 600 other people love it. And say great things, right? You see that one bad thing and you're like, oh my God, I suck. It's such a human reaction. How do you, you gotta, you gotta kick yourself in the ass and get out of it is what, what you have to do. And, and that is bloody hard. We all talk about raising each other up and stuff, but there are some of those things where, you know, an imposter syndrome, when it strikes, it really affects your writing. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't get a hundred words out some days because you're like, nobody wants to hear this. This sucks. Like, you know, but you just, I'll read a book when that happens. I'll read a book <laughs> that I love to be like, okay, I can do this. I can do, I can do this. They wrote a good story. I'm going to write a good story and then, you know, pull yourself up that way. But yeah, I wish we didn't have to do that. Because, you know, when you write a book, that's a freaking achievement. Like, it doesn't, not everybody can do that. Damn right. We need to celebrate it, whether you're an orange banner or number one, or you're like number one million in the Kindle store. You wrote a freaking book from beginning to end, edited it, got a cover, put it up there on Amazon, and said, hey, everybody, read what I made. That's, that's amazing my very first book was an ms book and it was totally done really crappy <laughs> but i was a story that i loved i didn't know what i was doing and i fumbled my way through it and when i pressed publish and i'd already told everybody i wrote this book i was like oh my god it's like a switch you go from being so freaking excited that you wrote this book to what if everybody hates it right <laughs> like it's just ugh. and it doesn't get well for me, it gets a little easier, but you go through it every single time. Yep. We're a strange breed. We really are. We, we just keep coming <laughs> back for it. Yep. I know, right? It's like, you're just like, okay, 
I mean, and I'm stubborn, so I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to be like, okay, I'll just do better on the next one. Okay, I'm going to do this on the next one. And you just keep going. Because if you want to be an author and you want to write, that's what you have to do. It's hard. It is hard. That's a great perspective. (laughs) Well, one of your recent releases is a paranormal romance in the haunted love shared world that was with a number of other authors. I think it was 10 books overall, somewhere around there, right? I think it was 10. Yeah. Okay. And your book, Baking with the Ghost, had a ghost as one of the main characters, which I love. (laughs) Have you always been interested in ghostly things or paranormal things? Or is that something that you just, you got an idea for and kind of dug into for this book? Uh, Ghosts always fascinate me. Ghost stories. Like, I'm like, that's haunted? Why would happen? (laughs) But I've read hardly any paranormal romance. That's a new thing to me. I didn't even know it existed until I started getting into actually indie romance. I didn't even know it was a thing. So <laughs> I read <laughs> I read two paranormals, I think. One was Shifter and one was like a witch or something. And I liked both of them, but I was like, okay, whatever. And the ghost thing just kind of came on. I actually, I just finished writing Jake's book. And I, I literally wasn't starting anything. I had just finished it. Somebody dropped out and it was like a last minute. Hey, would you want to write a ghost book? And I was like, I don't know. Would I? And what's, what's the deal? And, you know, it, it wasn't like a shared world so that made it easier. You just had to have a ghost and a human. You know, you had to follow a title like this and they had to have it happily ever after. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try it. And I'm like, give me a day because I need to think of an idea. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what can you do with the ghost? And so it was really, it was just really weird because to me, a ghost is, you can't see it, right? It doesn't talk to you. Visible. So that was in my head. And it was great to read. Um, I didn't read everybody's stories, but I read some of them. And how they portrayed a ghost was so different. Everybody had such different ideas. I'm like, okay. So that book was actually like a huge experiment for me because, you know, I wrote Paranormal. I wrote in first person, <laughs> uh, first person singular, which I had never done and I won't do it again because I didn't <laughs> like it. So it was a whole lot of experiment for me and um, it was fun. Like it was just a way to try something different and you had these other authors to support you and, you know, kind of be like, I'd be like, well, I don't like, I don't know. Like, what are you guys doing? That's what happens to your ghost? Oh, well, my guy does this. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, mine doesn't. I guess that's all right. And I thought baking would be kind of cool. Well, actually, I originally wanted gardening, but somebody already had that one. I'm like, oh, I have an idea. Oh, crap. Somebody's already doing that. I'm like, okay, what can be a cute, fun saying that's still, which it was important to me to make sure it was still like RM's brand, right? Like Mm -hmm. it still had to be cute and fluffy and low angst and everything. And I was like, how do I get a ghost low angst? And still be like funny and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, baking is really cute. And somebody was like, you already wrote a baking book. Like, oh, but <laughs> that's okay. It's so, paranormal yeah. this time. And I flew through it because um, a friend of mine is, uh, what the heck, pagan, pagan, he does something like that. And I'm like, you know. How do people talk to goats? I'm like, is this, you know, I watch the show. Do they do seances? They do this. Do they do that? And we had this conversation. I'm like, okay, I have an idea. Let's do it. <laughs> and then I just wrote it. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. Like, it's a lot of fun. I do like paranormal. I will do it again. I love that. That's great. <laughs> I wouldn't be a full-time paranormal person, though, I don't think. But I love being able to just kind of have a book. That's a little bit of ways from your normal every year to just kind of like test the waters, to just do something different. Because I am working on another one right now. It's just something fun and different. Nice. It's great because when you are in these other stories that you're stuck, you have this something complete and different. And I think it does help free the mind a little bit, right? So Absolutely. But it, it it was a good experience. Good. And you mentioned, since this is new to you, writing paranormal, And earlier you mentioned the ranch setting in your newest series is new. It seems like you like branching out and trying new things. 
and this new series, so Colby and the Broken Horn Ranch series. I would just love to know what made you want to go into a ranch set series and how did this book and series idea come about? That's actually a funny story. (laughs) So I live in rural Ontario and there's literally a giant cornfield across from my house. (laughs) And there's cute guys on tractors driving by all the time. And last summer, I got a flat tire just outside my house. I literally drove like two minutes down and I pulled over. And I'm like, oh, crap. It was like 35 degrees Celsius. It's hot as hell. And I'm like, I was going golfing. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not making my lesson. And I was all pity. <laughs> I taught CAA, even though my house is literally like right there. But I had to get my tire changed. I'm like, I'm not going to change my tire. It'll probably take me three hours because I'm just, I'm that kind of I think not how, but I don't want to do self, right? I'm like, I pay roadside assistance. So anyhow, while I was waiting, um, a fellow went by on his tractor and he was like the whole shirtless, sweaty, suntan guy. And, and I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. And I didn't notice he actually stopped a little ways up the road and came back to offer help to me. And as he was walking back, like I'm on my phone, like, oh, you know, just doing this stuff on my phone. And I look, he's almost at my car. He puts his shirt on and he's like all smiley and shy. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and you know, he was just the sweetest thing. I don't, I don't know. I was just, I don't know, maybe 25 tops. Definitely too young for me. But he was so nice. And he was on this tractor. And he just, he had all the little shy boy thing, you know, like old <laughs> shocks, just a country boy. And I'm like, I just got an idea. Which I did. I had an idea. I literally came home as soon as my tire was on, opened my laptop and started writing the free prequel to Broken Children Ranch called Rescued by a Rancher. And that's how the two guys meet is he gets a flat tire on the side of the road and the handsome man who owns the Broken Horn Ranch stops to help him. It ends a lot differently, right? Uh, (laughs) But that's where it came from. It was just, you know, I was the crump and I was pissy because my tire was off and this guy was all like sunshiny cute and offering help and all, you know. Will you save money if you cancel your order? That will help you. And I'm like... Well, aren't you just so sweet? I'm like, no, it's okay. The call is in. Like, thank you. And that that's where the Broken Horn Ranch came from. The whole thing. <laughs> I just a chance thing. The prequel's only, I think it's only 15,000 words. So it's relatively short. But I probably could have kept going and made that into a whole book. Because Dan owns the ranch. So it's Dan meeting Martin. And then I was like, and then there's going to be a ranch and then this guy's going to do this and this guy's going to and like it's just like and I had this whole three book series planned and everything in like a couple hours so wow <laughs> that's incredible I need those to happen more though right that's where inspiration comes from it's not hard to be inspired when they're all the time and some of the things in the ranch are people I met when I lived in Alberta which was a big ranch so I bring that in too, but that's where it came from. <laughs> I it was just the funniest story. And I was just like, I have to write a book about that. <laughs> well, it sounds like it worked out great. And you mentioned you finished the second book in the series, the draft of it yesterday, right? I did. Uh, yeah. You know, and it was funny because like this year I was like, okay, I'm going to write ahead more. I'm going to plan things more because I want that book to be done and out. And I'm going to be like halfway through the next one. So there's not as big of a gap. Oh, I had it all planned out, right? Biggest plans and everything. And then like life just went sideways and didn't happen. Things happened. I wasn't writing and it just got bummed up. It was a real fight for the last month to finish it. So I finished it. And uh, yeah, so, but, but, you know, it's a, it's a yay. Because it's done, but well, hopefully it's not that bad when I read through it. Because you know how you read through your first draft. I'm a really messy first drafter. It, like I don't even correct my spelling mistakes as I go. I just boom. I just vomit it all out, <laughs> and then I fix it later. <laughs> <laughs> now, sometimes you can't make out a sentence because you're like, "What is that word?" 
what, what was it? But yeah, hopefully when I read it back, I'll still be as happy with it. But I know I was happy with it up to the part before it got difficult. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. That's what good data readers are for. Because they're like, oh, you know, this isn't, which is funny because when I wrote the ghost book, everything was all brand new and I put it out to my beta readers and all three of them were like, you know, when I'm like, what is, I'm like, I think it's missing something. What is it missing? You know, when they all made the same comment, I'm like, okay, I have mm. something with now. So I appreciate that because, you know, don't tell me it's great when it's not really great. But we didn't have that problem with any other book, just the ghost book. I felt, fingers crossed, Blaze will be just as good and we're not going to have a, you know, a, mm, bad, there's this <laughs> What? What did I miss? <laughs> it's a release. It's a release. Because then good. we'll get it edited and we'll, we'll go back to book three that I had also started. That's another thing I do. I'm like a multitasker. I don't know if I'm undiagnosed ADHD. I have no idea. But, but sometimes I feel like it because I will literally be writing a story, get an idea for the other story, flip out of that, go write something in the other story, and then go, oh, I have another idea. Then make like another note somewhere else. Then come back. It's just, oh, yeah, I have, oh my God. It's just crazy. Like, But if you don't write it down, you forget it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so here's hoping whatever I wrote down makes sense on the next book because I did that a lot. I'm like, oh, you know what? He should do this here. Oh, but if this guy does this here, what if? Okay, I'm going to put here. Oh, and I have an idea for this scene. It's like 12 sentences of dialogue. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, he'd say that. Just put it aside. <laughs> I know, weird. It works. I, I do a lot of the same stuff. Yep, for sure. Well, that's like validating. <laughs> I, I juggle. I write a few, like two to three books at the same time. I go back and forth. And then my brain is thinking of the future ones in the series. And so then in the middle of drafting the current book I'm working on, I'll write something and then it triggers like, oh, I could do this in book four and book five. And then I, you know, have to go write it down and then I can spend a few minutes with that. And then I come back to this one. Yeah. Same. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's adding, but you know, I envy those who can be so one, two, three. I'm, I don't know how you can do that. I'm like, I can't do that. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it works. It does. It works for me anyway. And I, yeah. Well, in addition to Blaze coming out soon, you also have your first audiobook coming out, which is super exciting. What's the process been like for you to create? Because I think a lot of readers don't understand what all goes in to creating an audiobook. You know, uh, that makes, you know, me too. Because <laughs> I, I kind of, um, it was very overwhelming and I thought it would always be out of my reach. Let's put it that way. Mm. But there are options through ACX. And you know what? And I'm not going to be able to have it on other platforms and all that stuff. But it's a good way to get into it to see if it's something you still want to continue. I'm not an audiobook person, so I never thought of it. But then I'm like noticing all these people talking about audiobooks and like all these audiobook groups. And I'm like, okay, so it is a big thing. And I thought, okay. I'm going to have to look into this. So, you know, I figured out how to throw up an edition call because I didn't want to just, I couldn't hire the big names that are out there. I was like, I'm going to have to get somebody smaller to start this. So I did an audition call and I think I got eight editions, which I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, because narrate this book by little old me, right? And two of them I loved. I absolutely loved two of them. And it was really hard to decide. So I picked a script and they read it. You know, you listen to their audition reading it. And what I think, well, me as a listener, I don't want you reading my book. I want you acting my book. I want you bringing my book to life. Like if I wanted to read it, I'm pretty sure it doesn't Kindle have an option where it'll read it yeah. to you. 
Yep. Yeah. I'm like, if I wanted a monotone voice reading my book out, I would just do that. And I'm like, no, I want somebody who's going to verbally illustrate the book. So the fellow I ended up picking, I actually sent him a second audition. And he's actually a stand-up comedian. <laughs> that, and he's also an actor. And he's also taking classes on narration. So he's very proactive and he wants to do this. And I will be his very first romance book. Wow. So, so cool. Which is, you know, I was researching the two that I was trying to choose between. And the one fellow has done a lot of romance books. He did have a nice voice, but he was just missing something that I wanted. And so this guy is new, but I'm like, you know what? I'm new too. And we have to start somewhere. And I, I just adored his edition. It was just I'm like, I love the characterization you're putting to these guys. So then I made him an offer and he accepted it. And then it was like, okay, game on. I was so excited. I'm like, okay, here's what the book is about. And I wrote him probably like this two-page email. I'm like, and this character's like this, and he should talk like this, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I gave him all these details, and I thought, oh, crap. He's probably going to think I'm a fucking nut. <laughs> He's not going to want to work with me. No, he said he loved it because as an actor, it gives him more background to like how I want people to sound and how they'll act and he puts little like instead of saying he cleared his throat he's actually like cleared his throat like he's adding that I don't know if that's common or not with audiobooks and I appreciated that he's putting tone into these different characters because I described them like um Zane is in Colby and he was in the fourth book of Sheltered Connections and he I he's like Owen Wilson okay he's just goofy <laughs> And that's what I told him. I said, I'm like, you're going to come across a little bit of this character. He doesn't show up much in Colby, but he's there. I'm like, think Owen Wilson. And he didn't. <laughs> oh my God, I just proved that for the other day. I was like, so great. <laughs> so that's a process though, because maybe like your podcast setup, I don't know. But, you know, this is all something that he's set up in his home. I'm thinking, I didn't really ask him about that. That he does, plus he masters all the files and he puts it together and it has to be in a certain format and blah, blah, blah. And you have to go over and listen to that. Oh, you said they instead of them. Like, can you fix that? And, oh, there's this, there's that. And, and, you know, we, we go through, I don't know if other narrators do it, but he sends them to me a chapter at a time. So I can listen to chapter at a time, which is great because they're 15, 20 minute chapters. You know, when you're trying to do all the other stuff. So then I send it back to him. And he corrects it and all that stuff. So we're getting really close to the end. And I'm very excited because I think he will do well. Like, yes, I'm his first and no, it's not perfect. But I like it. And he's just, he has a lot of personality in his voice and I really like him. So I'm excited for it. We're hoping, I think early May, just depends, right? Because once you press the submit, then I'll have to do the final read through. But we're hoping early May it'll be out there and people can listen to Colby on audio. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's crazy. It's, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I never thought I'd have an audiobook, but here we are. <laughs> Yay. That's really great. I like the idea of just trying to make things as accessible as possible and trying different formats. And I love that. Well, and, and you know, that's, I'm guilty of not thinking about that i just take that for granted but i'm like there's a lot of people with vision problems who still like books and i was thinking of looking into how to do the big print or whatever it's called but then i thought wouldn't audio be easier so we're going this route for now maybe we'll go the other one too but uh for now we'll do this and i i just hope it's a good start for him and that he just keeps getting better and he gets a good career out of it because i do think he'll do a good job I can see him doing well. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. This is great. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and I know people want it. So I'm like, hey, there's a dozen people who are going to listen to it right away. Because <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And actually, and promoting audio is a little bit harder than promoting ebooks because you have your ebook, right? You can give away copies, but it's not like that with your audio. You only get codes and you can only do so many. So it's hard to put it out there. Unless there's a way I don't know yet. There's rules to give away codes. And mm. That kind of sucks because I would give away more. But it is what it is. Yeah. 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 
It's a good thing to try. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I think he's taking a bigger risk on me, though, because at least I make money selling the book already. Like, I've already wrote it 30 out. Like, you know, well, what if nobody wants the audio? You know, (laughs) he's not going to get his name out there and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do our best anyway. Nice. One of the things you shared with me when we were connecting before the interview is that you have had a wide range of jobs that, you know, (laughs) in talking about where you get your inspiration. So can you tell us about your wide range of jobs and your employment history and how you've chosen to weave those into your stories and characters? Well, I think the animal one is obvious. I was a vet assistant for at least 10 years. And a lot of my animal stories, they come from patients or my coworkers' pets or whatnot. And even the setup of Micah's grooming shop and the vet clinic is based on a place I used to work. So it, it's, it, I, there's just so many, the doctors, any, anybody animal related in any of my books is based on somebody I have had interactions with or something that's happened. So that's quite helpful when you're doing animal things. I know business stuff because I used to be a financial advisor. So when you're talking about markets and all that thing, which I have in a couple of books, like it's just, it's information that I don't have to go look up, which to me, I hate doing research. So if I already know it, you save that time, right? I, I totally hate it when I come up with an idea and I'm like, I have to research that because I'm not sure what's the proper term. How should I say that? I hate that. I just hate it because I'll put like a little note in there. I'll look up what this is called. Like I'll actually put it in brackets, but I'd rather just have it from the top of my head because I don't (laughs) like doing research. So I do that. What else have I done? I was a dental assistant, but I don't think I wrote about dentists. (laughs) Nobody likes dentists. So we'll probably leave that out. I also have a degree in psychology. So that comes in handy no matter what I write. Yeah. And kind of lends itself quite well to some difficult things. I think if you live a different life, like if you live uh, a very varied existence, you can draw ideas for stories easily. And I used to be a small business owner and I owned a craft store. And there was actually this gay couple that used to come in about twice a year from Montreal and had a really thick French accent. And they were so fun to talk to because um, I wish I had saved his contact info because we did chat on Facebook a few times. He was such an amazing artist and he would get excited because I carried this brand of paint that nobody else did and it was hard to find. That's why he stopped at my store all the time. So we'd have this conversation in broken French and English and he was just lovely. And he actually is in my idea bank floating off and he may come into something someday. But just stuff like that you can get an idea from because I've done done all this stuff. You know, I met all these people. I met all these interesting characters that could be in a book. So it's kind of fun. You know, some of them aren't nice, but I leave the not nice people out. But what's that? that <laughs> ones that you remember, you can use that. So, yeah, I'm uh, what I like to see. You know, I'm jack of all trades, master of none. So, but, <laughs> but. my friend's like no you're an author like isn't that like your ultimate thing and I'm like it was never on my radar mind you none of the stuff I did was ever on my radar I just fell into it but um I was like well I don't know I do like it (laughs) who knows maybe this is it and we'll stay here and we won't go off when you work for yourself it is very hard to go back to working for somebody else after it is so hard which made the decision for me to actually like channel more time into writing was because I had to close my store when COVID happened. And that sucked a lot because, you know, you run this business for five years and you met these people and you have all these connections and you absolutely love what you do. And now you have to quit. And you're like, okay. And at the time I had already started fiddling around with writing and I just hadn't really... I hadn't devoted the time to it. It was like, oh, you open it, you do a little bit here, you do a, a lot like a lot of authors do because they do work full-time jobs and they do do it on the side. And I was just kind of at that point 
And then it just kind of happened. And it was like, well, what do I do with my days now? Mm. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll try this. Maybe this is my, maybe this is the universe saying now is the time to give yourself your time and write these stories that you've been thinking about. This is how weird I am as a kid. It's totally random. Um, I used to go fishing with my dad a lot. And every time we'd get this fish out, I would make up a story about the fish. And he, <laughs> yeah, like I would just be like, I wonder if his friends are missing him. And my dad's like, like, what's wrong with you? I just randomly come up with names and his little school family and everything. And, and my dad would just look at me and be like, oh my God. <laughs> you're just wacko. And I'd be like, okay, bye. And I'd let it go. And it was just like, I don't know, like those kinds of stories, not with fish, but with people, they just, they just pop out. They just do. (laughs) They're just just always there. And um, I'm just odd that way. Sometimes they make it to paper. Sometimes they don't. Even my husband looks at me like that. He's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, don't you ever wonder where that chipmunk came from? Like, he probably has a family. Maybe it's a girl. I don't know. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, no. I'm like, just me. Okay. Never mind. Carry it's, on. I think it's the high empathy because I do the same thing. Like, if there's like a spider in my path, I'm like, I can't kill you because you've got friends and family. <laughs> like, I would like to make that decision. <laughs> All in my head about it. Same. Bugs I can look over, but if it's a fuzzy animal, I can probably <laughs> spin a story in it. But yeah, and it's, I'm, I'm just bizarre that way, I think. <laughs> but it does help in the long run, let me tell you. <laughs> well, in addition to naming fish, what can people expect from an R.M. Neal story? <laughs> uh, other than random oddness? Uh, <laughs> I I like... Well, how I brand myself is I will make you smile, I will make you laugh, and I will make you swoon. And those are three things, no matter what the story is, that's going to happen to you. If I'm writing about a ghost, or if I'm writing about some hockey guy, or if I'm writing about a small town coffee shop owner, those are going to happen. So I'm I'm all about the swoon. I love the swoon. <laughs> And sometimes it gets cheesy, but you know what, though? I think deep down, we just want that somebody to give us that, you know, the pink flamingos in the yard over the top celebration, (laughs) the love actually proposal on the ice in front of thousands of people. Even if you are that shy person and you don't like the attention, I think those over the top of like ridiculous moments we all like to a degree oh like that's what i like if say that at least once or twice in my books so. <laughs> that's my goal and that's what you would expect from me and animals apparently i did pull my reader group i said what do you expect from a story from me and almost everybody was like cute animals i'm like okay all right uh not wrong but i'll try to make cute animals in every story <laughs> <laughs> it's a reader expectation now it is. It is. That's not a bad thing. And, you know, they did kind of say the same thing. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing a pretty good job sticking to that, that you've all said similar things and that you're getting that across. Good. Yeah. Which is awesome. validating. Yeah. Yes. So I like that. Nice. Well, where can readers learn more about you and your stories and get in touch? Well, um, I'm always in my Facebook group, so that's where we do a lot of banter. We share a lot of dad jokes and other jokes, and we just generally, I, I do most of my time there, but um, to interact, if you just want to know me, that's the best place to be. Sometimes I'm on TikTok, not as much as I used to be, but uh, if you want to see how bizarre <laughs> it can be, just go watch my old TikToks because that was fun. But then I just kind of got away with them. But um, Facebook group, email, I share stories in my email, my newsletter. So with pictures and things like that, too. So I let people know what's going on in my life in my newsletter a lot. So they don't unsubscribe. So I guess they like it. <laughs> 
but that's that's where you can learn about me. I mean, if you if you just don't want to know about me, and you just want to know about my books, so well, you can follow me on Amazon or BookBub. I'm there too. I'm everywhere. I try to be on Instagram, but oh my god, I'm just I suck at social media. I'm terrible at it. Like absolutely terrible at it. There's not enough hours in the day, so that's why I'm like I always devote time to my Facebook group because you know they're my peeps. So that's where the energy goes and everything else just kind of gets scattered around. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'll make sure those links are in the show notes so that anyone listening can find them. <laughs> I'm really not that strange. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, but I'm like, I'm actually quite nice. <laughs> oh, and you know, I'm going to do... I think you're in the group. I'm going to do a mention that, you know, if if any listener does want to know where to find some up and coming MM authors and even other authors is to go to the Small But Mighty MM Author Romance Group, which was created by my friend Janice and I help her admin. And it's grown to over 3,000 people, which is insane because she was like, oh, I'm not even going to get 200 people. I said, oh, you are. <laughs> I'm like, this is Rats. And and that's where I actually find a lot of new authors. So because you know, that's what we're there for, to support new authors. So if you're listening to this and you're aspiring to be an author, come to that group. You'll get some support. You meet some wonderful people and uh, we'll always boost you up there. So I'm there. I'm not there as much as I was. I need to get back there, but we'll always try to get your name out there and do what we can for you. So come there I hang out there just not as much (laughs) (laughs) perfect thank you so much for being here it's been so great to talk to you this was fun I hope like I didn't ramble on like an idiot but uh, you know I probably write a lot like I talk just total randomness (laughs) maybe not total randomness but yes the ideas just kind of go off in all different directions (laughs) (laughs) I love it thank you so much (laughs) thanks for having me I had so much fun chatting with RM today. Thanks for joining me in the Low Angst Library. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Is there an author of Low Angst Queer Romance that you'd like me to interview? There's a link in the show notes and on lowangstlibrary.com with a guest suggestion form. And if you're an author writing Low Angst Queer Romance, there's a self-suggestion form in the show notes and on the website as well. A major goal of mine with this podcast is to have guests writing main characters in romance novels that represent identities all over the queer spectrum. So your suggestions will really help me with that. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast to help offset the cost of hosting, editing software, and transcription for accessibility, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Other ways you can support the podcast are sharing episodes with your reader friends, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or another podcatcher you found the show on. The show is also on social media at Low Angst Library. Until next time, keep reading.